welcome to episode two of Theology for You. I want to give you guys a big, big thank you for listening to our first episode and then the uh, bonus episode, which I'm sure was delightful, uh, where you got to hear a little bit about me and Victoria, uh, which I'm sure <laughs> was a little useful, but I don't know because we talked about dancing in the rain and eating uh, pizza, so thank you very much. I, I appreciate it more than you guys uh, will ever know. Um, just Ben here with you today. Victoria will be with us on our next episode. And our episode today, you can see, is called Theology is uh, Boring. And while the word boring is in the title, I hope uh, that the episode itself will not be boring, because uh, that would be a little counterproductive. So, honestly, I'm not naive. I know a lot of people find that theology is boring and maybe a little stuffy, <laughs> which some of you uh, might wonder then, well, why'd you start a podcast about theology then? Well, because um, sometimes, honestly, it can be boring and stuffy, and that's really because the way that it's written about and the the manner in which sometimes people teach it. Um, I mean, I graduated from a seminary. I've 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 read books that are uh, honestly just a little boring and stuffy. And if you're not into academic theology. Um, you will find it boring. And if that's your only exposure to theology, then it's understandable. But when we think of the definition of Christian theology that we're using, which is the studied practice of knowing God, the goal of theology then, the goal of studying theology, is that we as Christians might know God. There's nothing more important for us as Christians than to know God and to develop and deepen our relationship with him. When we think about theological subjects such as God as our Father, that should blow us away. And it should blow us away because it was purchased for us by God's Son, Jesus Christ. When we think that we have a copy of God's Word that you can... I have multiple copies right now just sitting on my desk and you can access it through your smartphone and your iPad and um, on the internet. And that God has revealed Himself to us. It's mind-blowing. And the fact that God has revealed himself in such a way that he can be understood and wants to be understood, that's fantastic. So to debunk this myth that theology is boring, what I want to do in this episode is really just look at what God says about himself. One of the main things that God says about himself is that he is glorious he is glorious. And if we find that theology is boring, if we find that good theology is boring, I think it would be safe to argue that we think God is boring. You may think that sounds harsh, and that's okay. One of my favorite authors is Jared Wilson. He wrote in his book, uh, The Wonder-Working God, God cannot be boring. If we find him boring, it is we that are the problem, not God. And since the ad theology is wrapped up in who God is and what he has done, he is a far cry from being boring. And theology is a far cry from being boring as well. God is exciting. His word is exciting. His work is exciting. And above all, God is glorious. And one of the first places we see this in Scripture is in the book of Exodus. You know, Genesis, then Exodus 
And we come to chapter 33 and verse 18. And Moses says to God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And Moses, um, rather, excuse me, God responds to Moses and says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, that's God, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So Moses asked God, show me your glory. And God says, I will make my goodness to pass before you. And what God will do is he will put Moses in the cleft of a rock and cover Moses so Moses can only see God's back. This passage helps us understand what God's glory is and really that everything about God is glorious. First, he proclaims his name, the Lord. I use the English Standard Version and in that version, Lord is all capitalized. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's God's covenant name. It tells his people, I am the Lord who makes promises to you and I will keep those promises. So God first proclaims his name, that he is the Lord. He is the promise-keeping God. When God makes a promise, he will keep it. That should be exciting in and of itself because I don't know about you. I've had lots of people make promises to me and not deliver. Right? I'm sure you've had that too. But God, when he makes a promise, he keeps it. We don't have to worry about him going back on his promise and saying, you know what? Change my mind. No, when God makes a promise, he will keep it. Next, God says that he is gracious. He will be gracious to whom he will be gracious. Then he says he is merciful. He will show mercy to whom he will show mercy. God's grace and mercy are part of what make him glorious. They are a part of who he is. Verse 20 really should make us be in awe of God because God says, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. The implication is you see God and you die. This is anything but a God who is boring. So God is glorious. Another way to say that God is glorious is to say that God is beautiful. God is beautiful in his grace and mercy. He is beautiful in his holiness, in his justice, in his righteousness, in his love. Everything about God is beautiful. And we see this account continues in the Exodus 34 we come to verses 6 through 8. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, the promise-keeping God. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses 
quickly bowed his head toward the earth in worship. So God passes before Moses, and as he does, he proclaims, The Lord, the Lord. It's repeating it. He wants us to get it, that he is the promise-keeping God. He is a God that is merciful and gracious. He gives to sinners that which they do not deserve. I don't know if you think you're a sinner, but I know I am. And God gives to me, because of Christ, that which I do not deserve. He is slow to anger. He is patient with me even when he is not obligated to be. God is patient with me even when I am not patient with him. He is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. What a great word, abounding. God just doesn't have a little, little, little bit of steadfast love and faithfulness. He's abounding in it, huh? That is awesome. He is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Faithfulness, And that is good news for you and it's good news for me. He keeps steadfast love for thousands. Since God is abounding in it, God's love can never be exhausted. Isn't that awesome? Because it's abounding. God is abounding in steadfast love. He's abounding in faithfulness so that when we're not faithful to him, he is still faithful to us. He is a forgiving God. He forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. If God did not forgive sin, where would I be today? Without hope, lost is where I would be. God is a forgiving God, but he's also a just God. He is a God of justice and righteousness. He will by no means clear the guilty, those who are guilty. i got to be honest with you. If, if these verses... In Exodus 33 and Exodus 34, if you're kind of just yawning at this and just have kind of a eh, kind of response to it, look at Moses' response. He quickly bowed his head down toward the earth and worshipped. He worshipped. Just a few sentences of truth about God caused Moses to fall down and worship before his maker. That's exciting. That's a beautiful God because he is worthy of that, because he is beautiful. He is glorious. And when you study theology, the whole point of it should be worship. And in our worship, we're uh, communing with God. We're having fellowship with God in our worship. If you can study theology and never be driven to worship, you probably need to rethink how you're studying theology. I had the privilege of preaching a couple Sundays ago at my church, and I was preaching on Psalm 1. And the Sunday that I was uh, going to preach, I was preparing, just looking over my notes and reading over the passage that I was preaching from, and I just had to stop and worship and praise God and pray to Him and thank Him for who He was and what He had done. God's word is exciting, and it's exciting because he is exciting. God is far from boring, therefore theology is not boring. And what's great, as the story of the Bible continues, God reveals that we see his glory in his son, Jesus Christ. So in case we're not getting it, God says, here's my son. 
and in my Son you see my glory. Paul writes, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul reaches back to Genesis 1, where God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Think about that. God spoke. God's word created light. Try it sometime. See if you can do it. I can't. So Paul goes back to Genesis 1 and says that God's word has been spoken into our heart. He has shined this light onto our hearts so that we might come to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When Jesus walked this earth, God's glory, his beauty was walking the earth. When Jesus healed the blind man, God's glory was on display. When Jesus fed the 5,000, that was God's glory on display for all to see. When Jesus prayed in the garden for the cup of God's wrath to pass from him, that was God's glory on display. Jesus hanging on the cross is the greatest picture of God's glory. The first step Jesus took from the tomb was the triumphant victory of God's glorious plan of redemption. Glory radiated. When Jesus returns for his disciples, his glory will shine so bright there will be no need for the sun or the moon or the stars. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Everything about Jesus radiates God's glory. Everything about Jesus radiates God's beauty. Jesus radiates radiates God's glory by upholding the universe by the word of his power. Imagine that. If you notice the theme between what Paul said and what the author of Hebrews said about God's word, Jesus, through his word, upholds the universe. Do you know whose word has that power? God's. God's power does. Hebrews is teaching us that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is God who came down from heaven, taking on our human flesh, and he made purification for our sins. He paid the penalty you and I deserve. He paid the penalty, and he is reigning even now from heaven. What we just did is study theology. Isn't that pretty cool? We just studied theology. We looked at who God is. He is a promise-keeping God. He is a God that is gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's patient. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's a forgiving God. He is a just God. He is a God that sent his Son to display his glory on this earth. It's a great God. I pray and I hope that you don't find that theology is boring because God is not boring. As we study who God is, that we might know him, it should be thrilling. 
It should cause us to have this feeling almost like we're soaring, like we're in the clouds. We should study theology and be able to stop dead in our tracks like Moses did and just worship God and pray to him and thank him for who he is. Theology is the studied practice of knowing God and knowing him is anything but boring. So there's my case. I don't think theology is boring because I don't think God is boring. What do you think? We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and look forward to joining you uh, next time. Victoria will be with me as um, we continue our journey with theology for you. You guys have a great week.